I mean, considering the week we've had, all NXT had to do tonight to be better than AEW was not force two guys with head injuries to keep wrestling. Both named Matt, too, which is which is kind of weird. That's something we need to look into another day. There was a pay-per-view with four mats on it, and two of them had head injuries, and two of them had to keep wrestling. Oh, AEW fans. Let's talk about NXT. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Bass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your September 8th, 2020 NXT review, and yeah, I wasn't here last week. I wasn't here for Chapter 1 of Super Tuesday. Now, I do want to point out something here. Yes, people have been all over the map, AEW's been all over the map, NXT's been all over the map. Now, I just want to do, I just want to point out one thing, one thing, and I gotta be a nitpicker, I gotta be the guy that says the thing, right? AEW went to other nights, ratings went down. NXT went to another night and had their second highest ratings in, I don't know, this year, last year, whatever the case may be. That's, that's something for those of you that still latch on to the entirely ridiculous demo god bullshit that Jericho's doing. That's something for you to sink your teeth into. All the excuses, oh, we had to move to another night, oh, we were bumped around by this and that and then... We move to another night, get better ratings. You move to another night, and you can't even bring the people with you. And yes, you can go with your ageist philosophies. I'm going to go with, I was watching NXT, and this is how many people were watching with me. You were watching AEW, and that's how many people were watching with you. Oh, oh yes. But what did we miss last week? There was a lot of filler last week, to be real. I gave myself the night off because it was a shitty week. I'm just going to put it out there like that. Uh, the six-man was really good, um, which doesn't really surprise me. I like the Legato del Fantasma thing, and Swerve and Brizango are on their own tangents at the moment. So all six of those guys just having a six-man brawl was, was good. And the Iron Man, the Iron Man four-way... I, I'm completely on an island, and I get it, and that's fine, and you guys don't have to find joy in life I can't make you. The Iron Man was great. The Iron Man was fucking great, and you're, you're, you're pissed off. You've got, you've got your piss boiling over the fact that there was a tie. And uh, they're just trying to make people watch the following week. Yes, that's what television is supposed to do, but also, of all... Of all the stipulations that you could possibly get mad at, every match is supposed to end with a pin or a submission or a countout or a disqualification. There's supposed to be one definitive winner. An Iron Man match is literally the only, I think, unless you want to count like four corners matches and shit, the Iron Man match, the whole idea is keeping score. Now, if you've got an idea, you've, you've got a built-in framework there for a tie, and... Let's just for, let's just not forget too much that one of the big things we hold up on the pedestal, the Royal Rumble, has ended in a tie and carried us all the way to WrestleMania. So, seven days later, not that bad. Not that bad. Now, let's see. This could have been on a pay-per-view. In a pay-per-view, you would have had it go to sudden death, which is what happens in a lot of Iron Man matches when there is a tie. But... It was televised, and you had an entirely other match to look forward to the following week, which, let's be real, Balor and Cole should be on a pay-per-view. That's the one piss-off I have about all of this. That four-way 
could have been on a pay-per-view. It would have taken up a good chunk of the pay-per-view because takeovers are relatively short. But this match this week could have definitely been on a pay-per-view. Now, speaking of pay-per-view, and I may or may not have a conversation with people later on in the week about this. All out. All out. How you, how, how you doing, AEW fans? <laughs> okay, let's run it down really quick because I can't even remember everything that was on the card because that's how much it mattered. Um, kickoff was garbage. I don't even have notes. These are my notes for tonight's show. I'm just going to rip it off the top of my head. Um, for those of you listening in an audio form, just know that I hold up the Doomy clipboard to doom like the asshole that I am. Um, kickoff was pointless. The four-on-four match was relatively pointless, other than uh, let's all collectively cry and wank each other that Cody Rhodes isn't here. Um, the Casino Battle Royal was good. Um, it's a good concept. It wasn't the best delivery of the concept. They have, and I will give them credit, they have given us better. The Matt Seidel surprise was, was kind of cool. It wasn't everybody's cup of tea, and it wasn't uh, received very well, and then he almost killed himself on uh, on the top rope because it's, you know, sweaty and such. Um, what's his name? Murder Hawk gimmick guy with the braids won. I, I could care less. I know they're trying to uh, push Kingston in uh and his new faction that doesn't make any sense and he didn't win so that was that um Brody lee did not defend his title on the pay-per-view brand new champion why why have him defend his title why um matt hardy versus sammy guevara ended in a life-threatening situation for matt hardy which i am fully i, I don't usually get into the you know twitter drama between wrestlers but i'm i'm fully with rebby hardy and like fuck the fans that were like oh, we wanted to see the end of the match and Fuck AEW for making him continue the match, uh, along with Matt Seidel, who could have also been pulled out of his match because he wasn't winning anyway. That's fine. Let's just see. The the Jericho-Cassidy thing was dumb. Uh, the I had hyped up. I had hyped up the tag team title match in our preview with Guapo, who I'll talk about in a second. Uh, I had hyped that up that I was more excited about that than seeing them take on the Bucks, and I still am more excited about that than seeing them take on the Bucks, because the Bucks John cena their way through another pay-per-view. The tag match, the tag title match, was good, but considering all the hopes we had going into it, good was about here, as far as where we wanted it to be. And the, and the main title match was, was a main title match. I... I said in the preview that I don't mind Moxley being the champion. I like Moxley and whatever, but for the good of the company itself, they need to pull themselves away. They need to have a t champion that's not just a ex-WWE guy, because we needed to have the clout of Jericho and now the clout of the former Dean Ambrose. Now, I will say what I said on Twitter, because I am an asshole and I don't give a shit. You know, dear AEW, enjoy your current champions. Luke Harper, Dean Ambrose, and The Revival. You're welcome. Signed, WWE. Signed, Vince fucking McMahon. You might not like it, but it is, it is what it is. Um, I've, I don't know what else to tell you guys. Like, I know hardcore AEW stands that were disappointed by this show, and whether you believe me or not, I really don't care. Despite all the qualms I had going into this pay-per-view, I tried, I really tried 
to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will say, the one thing that would have been good if it wasn't, if it didn't have a dark cloud hanging over it, was what I thought it was, was Thunderosa versus Hikaru Shida. But the entire time that they were out there busting their ass trying to do something cool, we were all thinking, well, shit, I think Matt Hardy's dead. So nobody could focus on that match. And mm, what else did they do with their women's division? Oh, they made a big step. They took a big step forward and brought the other women's match onto the card. But they're also idiots because the, the Swole Baker match, if you want to call it that, wasn't a match. It was fucking retarded. It was a pre-taped cinematic thing at her dentist office. Now, I get it. She's not as ready to go as she wanted to be. They couldn't actually have the match. I understand that. This sketch was still dumb, and that's what it was. It was a comedy sketch disguised as a hardcore wrestling match. And, you know, stabbing herself in the leg with the, with the, with the dentist drugs and, and gassing her for the win and all that sort of thing. It was all really dumb. Nobody came out of this looking good. And, and, first of all, AEW has fans in their arena. If it was WWE, they'd be getting their dicks cut off, but it's not. It's AEW, so they get a pass. That's fine. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have your very first pay-per-view with actual fans in the audience, don't make the opening match a cinematic match so that those people bought tickets to sit in those seats to watch a match take place on the fucking screen. You fucking idiots. This pay-per-view was trash, and almost, almost everything that I've said about AEW in the past little while came to fruition on this show. Oh, and Omega and Paige broke up. Isn't that sad? They're doing the poor man's version of Sasha and Bailey. And when I'm giving Sasha Banks credit, there's a problem. You guys know my history with Sasha Banks. And what's the main stickler between these two? And, and toxic as this is in 2020, and I hate using that word because I'm not an SJW. They've leaned way too hard on the fact that one of them's an alcoholic and one of them drinks milk. That's awkward as fuck. And they tried to put in other people that are, you know, the Cena Bucks are in there somewhere. It's this pay-per-view was trash. Absolute trash. After not the best episode of Dynamite either, I should put out. But that's all. That's all good. I came in this week. There's going to be a title match. There's going to be a women's cage match in the main event because NXT actually gives a shit about their women's division. It's going to be on a Tuesday, so I get it a day early so I can still put this up and laugh at AEW tomorrow night. It's all good. That was the perfect setup for me tonight to have an awesome show. Now, we do the socials as we always do. If you're listening to me in a podcast platform, you want to find me on YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix. If you're watching me on YouTube right now with super sexy face and the gimmick hat, find me on all your uh, podcast platforms at uh, the Spaz Phoenix podcast. Now, find me on Instagram at Spaz Phoenix. Find the Spaz Phoenix podcast Facebook group. And find me on Twitter. But here's the caveat. Do not find me on Twitter at SpazPhoenix1. Find me on Twitter at SpazPhoenix. And why? Because in the middle of the AEW show, I guess I was telling a little too much truth about the show. I don't know. Somebody tried to log into my Twitter account 100 times. And I got a notification from Twitter saying that you know, the, the account, Spaz Phoenix one has been, has had way too many attempts to log in. It's locked. And the only way to unlock it is to change the password. And the only way to change the password is to sign in and go to my settings. So you see the problem I'm having now, 
Spaz Phoenix One was the Twitter account that I made when something very similar to this happened a couple years ago with my Spaz Phoenix account. That's been dead long enough that it's an available name again. So find me on Twitter at Spaz Phoenix. There we go. Tell your friends, tell your loved ones, Spaz Phoenix is the deal. On Twitter, we're going to pull a WWF, WWE, we're going to get the one out. It's fine. Speaking of AEW, kind of going backwards, Guapo and I previewed this show, and then I clipped out uh, one portion of that large preview where we talked about comparing the women's divisions of AEW and NXT. I was just having a bit of fun at that point, so you can check both of those out right now. Thank you to Guapo for once again being part of the AEW preview he's my AEW guy but also I do want to remind you guys once again I think they got off to a bit of a rocky start but go to Facebook live look up the Wednesday night wrestling show Guapo and Ruffin are two episodes in now they're doing some cool shit I might be on there at some point I'm going to try and get both of them on here to do something at some point and uh yeah it's a little bit different um watching a show on, on Facebook Live. I think they had to get a few of the bugs out. They've done that now. There are two episodes in. Go check out the Wednesday Night Wrestling Show on Facebook. And, yeah, you know, do the old cliche. Yeah, tell them Spaz sent you. It's fine. Now, September 8th, 2020, NXT. Here we go. Now, one other thing I didn't get to talk about because I wasn't here last week was the inclusion of Wade Barrett on commentary, which is fucking awesome. Now, that goes hand in hand. With the, with the knowledge also that we got rid of, we didn't get rid of, Mauro Ronaldo has left NXT, left WWE. Now that's super unfortunate, it's, it's fine, it sounds like it's amicable, um, I know he's going to handle some personal, we shouldn't know these things about the people that we watch on TV, but he's gone to handle some things, apparently his mom's sick and, and whatever, now that's, that's all terrible, I have no problem with Mauro Ronaldo going and, and handling his business as he will. I will say I'll miss him on commentary. Mauro Ronaldo is not everybody's cup of tea, but I really liked him. And he became, whether you liked the voice or not, he was the voice of NXT for a bit. Now, Wade Barrett, along with, um, uh, what's his name, Super Generic announcer number five, and Beth Phoenix, they make a good team. It's still very obvious that Beth Phoenix is being piped in, which makes the commentary a little stilted, but it's not... It's not nearly as bad as it could be. Let's just let's just go with that. Um, Jim Ross asking for wardrobe malfunctions. Eh, he's old, isn't he? Uh, moving on. We started off the night um, with Balor versus Cole, and everybody's like, "Why? Why is this happening?" And once again, I say because this is not AEW, and we're not shy about giving the female division a platform. And this wasn't even a title match. Now, I did say last week going into this week, that this is a virtual carbon copy of the episode that they gave us on, uh, remember when both NXT and AEW gave us those wicked shows, uh, December 18th last year, and we had Balor versus Cole to open the show, and then we had Baszler versus Ripley to close the show, and Baszler versus Ripley was a moment in time, and Cole versus Balor, you kind of had the idea that the title wasn't going to change hands, but you knew you were going to get a hell of a match, and that much like tonight, it was going to be a big match, a big match, and some little shit in the middle. There's going to be a big match, we're going to have to get through some other stuff, and then we're going to get the other big match. I'm sorry if you're watching me on video right now, my, my nose is itchy as fuck. Balor versus Cole. Now, what I love about this, I love about this, and uh, I'll sort of talk about the end first, because there was no interference, there was no cheap shots, there was no bullshit, there was no Undisputed Era, there were rumors 
that Pat McAfee was going to get involved in this, and on the one hand, I would have laughed a lot and watched Twitter burn itself alive, but on the other hand, I didn't want that either. Um, Finn Balor versus uh, Adam Cole, n neither one of them really played the babyface or the heel. It was just, let's, let's grind it out and get it done. So... This match, and I know the criticism will be from some people, this match started really slow with a lot of basic chain stuff. And got to the point where where I, I almost didn't like it, but, you know, slow burn and all that sort of thing. Because it felt like a slow burn, but you never know, if it's the first match of the night, you never know how long it's going to be. Is it going to be a slow burn and then we're going to pop at the end? But no, check it out. Collar Nobo tie up and a single leg by Balor and a front face lock. Cole works on the arm and there's another takedown by Balor. Side headlock by Balor and Cole works the arm into the mat. Balor grinds a headlock into the mat as well. Cole back to work in the arm once again and the shoulder. Commentary very quick to hop on the whole, you know, Finn Balor got the universal title and then had his shoulder popped out in the same night. Arm drag armbar by Balor, knee to the side of the head, almost a knee on the neck. Moving on, figure four <laughs> by Balor and a low drop kick by Cole. And here is where it pops off from this pretty basic wrestling 101 chain wrestling to Cole just popping off this drop kick that kicked it into another gear. <coughs> Excuse me. Series of forearms and chops by Cole and Ushiguroshi sends us swiftly into commercial break. When we get back from the commercial break, Everything's happening, isn't it? Stiff kicks by kick to the back by Balor. Balor has a gro another grounded headlock and a jawbreaker by Cole. A back elbow by Balor and a snap elbow drop. A mud hole stomp by Balor. A basement drop kick and some corner spears. A hard Irish whip by Balor. Irish Irish whip by the Irishman. You don't get to say that very often. And some corner chops. Both men trade some forearms. There's a boot by Balor. Clothesline by Cole. Pump kick by Cole. Instagram and a backstabber. Backstab the backstabber by Cole. I don't know how he s snaps it off where it looks like it's more in the neck than it is in the back. It looks really good. Shining Wizard by Cole and a double stomp by Balor. A mud hole basement drop kick by Cole and a super kick by Cole on the outside sends us to another commercial break. The super kick by Cole on the outside was a cool spot too because he was he had sort of Balor had him kind of sat in a chair uh, like he was going to hit him with a with the. Um, I know they call it the John Woo drop kick. I know it is the shotgun drop kick. But as he's coming in, Cole just gets up and nice as you want, just hits him with a super kick to send us to the next commercial break. Insecurity by Balor as we come back. A shot to the knee by Cole, started by a figure four. Now, this is where it becomes Cole's, or sorry, this is where it becomes Balor's knee versus Cole's midsection for the rest of the match. Sling blade by Balor and a twisting DDT and a shotgun dropkick, a coup de gras, but the coup de gras gets a kick out because he hit the coup de gras with his injured leg that not only had been kicked out, kicked his leg out of his leg, Bret Hart style, but also immediately followed it up with a figure four, which again looks really, really crisp when it's done by Adam Cole. So they made a huge deal on commentary, a huge deal about... Uh, Adam Cole kicking out after the coup de gras because Balor sold it like fucking death. Figure four again by Cole and a super kick in the last shot and then uh, kicks out of the last shot and they do the exact same good job selling that. There's a 1916 by Balor. Cole super kicks the knee again. They struggle to the top rope. It's a little bit awkward. I think they weren't quite where they wanted to be, but a top rope 1916 gets the win 
for Finn Balor. Finn Balor is your champion. Now, I had to go to my buddy Jake, who we're going to talk to in a little bit, or we're going to get him on here again soon, and say, did anything happen right after he won? Because, unfortunately, as you guys know, because they don't love us in Canada, I have to watch it on a USA stream and watch your shitty American commercials. But I th I thought, oh, if there if there is like some post-match assault that I didn't hear about... That's really going to piss me off, but apparently it didn't. It just sent us into commercial break. I had my stream reset at that point. Um, we come back from the commercial break, and Ripley's talking about tonight's cage match with uh, Mercedes Martinez. Pretty... I won't go into everything that was said in these two promos, because Mercedes Martinez has one later in the night, too. Uh, they're saying some pretty generic uh, WWE-esque verbiage, but both of them, the delivery... The delivery's on point. Rhea Ripley is more snapped into her character than she has been in a while, because obviously she spent a lot of a whole lot of time, you know, diddling around with Robert Stone and, and Aaliyah, and we're going to get to that later on as well. Um, but she snapped into this sort of, I don't want to say sadistic, it's the wrong word, but this, like, grindish type character. Mercedes Martinez just is comfortable as hell cutting the promo, so that that is what it is. We go to the back... And we see one of those sort of like behind-the-scenes moment almost where Balor getting his congratulations from William Regal, from Triple H, and even Adam Cole finds him in the back, congratulates him, tells him, you know, hey, get out there and go do a good job. And he gives him the two sweet, which was really awesome because they did that. It takes me back to last week where they did that in the Fatal 4-Way, obviously, but it also takes me back to that one match on pay-per-view that Finn Balor had with AJ Styles that wasn't really supposed to happen. It was just because everybody got sick. And Finn Balor was supposed to be in that weird Sister Abigail match that didn't happen. Um, but, you know, out of nowhere, they did the two sweet right after the match. Now, this was the same kind of thing. Nice, nice little show of support there. And it's all good. In the back. And I love all of this. And I don't care. Maybe I'm the problem. This was fucking great. From the seriousness, from the, you know, almost half hour, 35 minute, you know, barnstormer of a match to establish a brand new NXT champion and it's Finn Balor and the big show of respect and everything's all serious. We need to get into some of the goofy, do we not? And this was the good goofy and we'll get into the bad goofy later. Robert Stone grabs one of the interviewers he's got a bat or a pipe or something like that and he's going to destroy Shotzi Blackheart's tank but instead Shotzi Blackheart sees him, catches him and just starts beating him up. Aaliyah jumps her they start fighting. Uh, they brawl into some area where Io Shirai was trying to do something. I couldn't make it out because I was in the middle of making notes and whatever. So they brawl out to the ring where Io Shirai and Shotzi Blackheart beat the crap out of Robert Stone and Aaliyah. And Robert Stone is so good. Robert Stone, whether people realize it or not, Robert Stone is a gift to the women's division. Because anybody, anybody that they go after is is just going to beat him up. Like, if Aaliyah was having a match with Io Shirai next week, Io Shirai would have beaten him up tonight. And it's just, he's such a good ragdoll, and he's such a good, like, pathetic twit getting his ass kicked. It's great. Now, they celebrate in the ring together, Io Shirai and Shotzi Blackheart do. Even Shotzi Blackheart even goes as far as to pick up Io Shirai's belt and hand it to her. But there's the moment. And she just pulls back, has a bit of a tease, looks at the belt and then gives it to her. And I just thought, oh fuck yes, nobody is gonna be into this as much as I am. Because I don't realistically think that Shotzi Blackheart is legitimately in the title picture at the moment, but oh my god, just to see her grab that belt, and you guys know, from my Destiny days, check off your Spaz Phoenix bingo, I 
I'd love an upset. It's really good. Not going to get into the uh, Tegan Knox visits the Garganos for dinner. They come in and there's awkward conversation between the three of them and we move on. Uh, Velveteen Dream, who I really don't want to talk about, beat up some random guy and then got his ass kicked by Kushida, including dragging his arm into the post several times because there's a bit of a story between the two of them as they were trying to get into the North American Championship picture. Kushida now has to waste his time in a Velveteen Dream feud. I'm happy to see Kushida back on my TV. I really wish he was doing something better than wasting his time with you. I would love to see Kushida go up against uh, Damian Priest. Uh, rather than who's about to face Damian Priest. I don't want anybody. I don't care if they're a jobber from the PC, whether they're in developmental, whether they don't even have a name yet. I don't want anybody having to waste their time with Velveteen Dream. That's just a thing. Uh, we get a quick promo from Brizango about how much winning the titles means to them and an announcement that they are going to give Imperium their rematch next week on NXT, which is unfortunately back on Wednesdays, which is a bit of a bummer. Put it down in the box below. I'm still completely torn. Uh, about the days thing because there's rumors speculating all the all the way around that NXT may move to Tuesdays permanently. Now I don't know whether that's a USA thing, whether it's a ratings thing, whether it's whatever the case may be. But I'm uh, I'm a little bit torn on it. Uh, so let me know what you guys think because I don't I don't, I haven't made a, def a decision about how I feel about that because I don't know what to base that decision on, if that makes sense at all. Uh, we get some more awkwardness with Tegan and the Garganos, and then Johnny Gargano leaves. Says, oh, maybe I'm the reason it's awkward, and then they go off, and Dakota, or sorry, not Dakota, Candace tries to explain why she's been all weird and tries to guilt trip her into being on her side and all that sort of thing. Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory. Austin Theory coming out in his uh, Hollywood Hogan-style wrestling gear. So that was, that was something. Austin Theory reminds me of somebody... I can't put my finger on it. Um, it's not a bad thing. And Bronson Reed is is a whole lot of fun. I said on Twitter that I want to see probably a street fight between Bronson Reed and Killian Dane. We see Killian Dane later in the night. We'll get to that when we get to it. Side headlock by Theory and Reed returns the favor, grinding him into the ground because obviously somebody that much bigger is just going to have that ability. Are they pounce by Reed? First rope, falling elbow. He just sort of like... Off the, off the first rope just to give himself... It, he looked like he literally amused himself when he was doing it. It was good. Uh, One-arm toss by Reed across the ring. Grounded sleeper and a clothesline sit-out powerbomb. Or sorry, not a sit-out powerbomb, but a sit-out bomb by Reed and a tackle off the apron as we go to commercial break. Chin lock by Theory as we come back from the commercial break and a reverse slam by Reed. Both men trade some shots. There's an atomic drop by Reed. A huge corner splash and a waist slam by Reed. And here we go. Here we go with some more storytelling. Theory is he... Is he really bold or is he really stupid? Theory tries a back suplex and his back gives out. Um, but he does uh, muster some uh, some offense back, gets himself into the corner and bursts out of the corner with a running blockbuster on Reed. And then he tries for the ATL and his back gives out again. Not only does his back give out again, but Reed kind of falls. I know I'm doing the hand thing again. People listening on audio, I'm sorry. He tries to go for the ATL. He collapses and Reed collapses on him. If that's not bad enough, we then get a running senton by Reed to the back, and then we get a top rope splash by Reed to the back, and Austin Theory doesn't have a spine. It's fine. He's dressed like Hollywood Hogan, who doesn't have much of a spine these days either. 
it's one. Remember when they had to script that match with Hollywood Hogan in TNA, and he'd had like nine back surgeries, so it was a mat, a whole match where he couldn't take a bump. Yeah, that that's a thing. Um, we get a we get an interview with Cole in the back that's really tweener e or babyface e, and he just basically said, "Yeah, I showed him some respect. I have a lot of respect for Finn Balor and the Better Man won tonight. So of course I'm going to show him some respect. Uh, he better hope I I don't get another shot because uh, next time the result is going to be different. Well, last time the result was you guys tied. So right now." If you want to call a tie, getting half a point, and you want to call a win, getting a full point, Balor is up on on uh, Cole, one and a half to a half. That's the score right now. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm an idiot. They tied. That match they had way back in December, Cole won. Balor won tonight. I'm actually an idiot. They are fully tied. Next pay-per-view is going to be their rubber match. I'm an idiot. You guys just heard me realize that right now. Not that I'm an idiot. That they're tied. Realized I was an idiot a long time ago. Uh, Mercedes talks about the main event, and same thing I said before about Ripley. Roderick Strong versus Killian Dane. I mean, there's some shenanigans on the outside from Fish, and after getting his ass handed to him a lot, Roderick Strong gets a high knee for the win. Little anticlimactic, I'm not going to lie, uh, but there's a two-on-one beatdown after the match. Drake Maverick tries to make the save with the pipe, and they just beat him down two-on-one, and then Dane gets back up and chases them away, and there's this weird thing that they're trying to do with Maverick. Maverick doesn't have friends. This is what I've figured out at this point. Maverick tries for a handshake and Killian Dane punches him in the face, basically saying, I don't need friends and whatever. So he's playing the ogre. That's wonderful. Um, more weirdness at the kitchen table with Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae. And eventually Candice throws salad at her and she throws water at Candice and Johnny comes back in to break it up and he gets pasta dumped on his head and Candice throws something at her own television and Johnny's really sad about about his TV. I don't know what to tell you. Candice LeRae versus Tegan Knox is a match I really want to see. The Garganos are ridiculous. The problem with it is, is when they're ridiculous with each other, they're they're sort of in sync, and the, and the ridiculousness kind of works. Don't shoot me, it kind of does. Like I said before, maybe I'm the problem. What's pr what the the issue becomes when somebody who's not ridiculous gets thrown into the mix. Tegan Knox is not ridiculous, and she's just there, sort of flatly talking about what's going on. And as soon as you have, it's like having a straight man in comedy. Uh, as soon as you have somebody there pointing out how goofy something is, then then it becomes apparent when when everybody's equally goofy. It's it's like the fiend stuff, isn't it? Um, we always we always worried about John Cena, and when John Cena was was interacting with the fiend, because we were all in on the fiend in the beginning. It was a great reproduction, the entrance, the image, the, the the unstoppable nature of him and whatever, but we all knew that all it would take would be John Cena coming out and calling his mask a Halloween mask, and then all the all the whatever of the fiend would be gone, and it's the same thing here. The weird dinner with the Garganos things that they do, they've got this weird, like, Elseworlds feel to them, but you can't put real shit in there. I, I I do still find it hilarious that Johnny Gargano has his cup 
on the table in a glass jar still from one final beat because I know, much like the Iron Man match last week, I know I'm on an island, pretty much the only person that loved one final beat because maybe I just like a bit of schlocky stuff. But they're going to have a match eventually, and the match is going to be great. They're pretty much retreading uh, the whole Tegan Knox Dakota Kai story, but it's a good, simple, like, whatever happened to us story. I don't think Johnny Gargano needs to be involved in it, but I do think Johnny Gargano needs to be obnoxiously involved in everything that his wife does. So there's a bit of a conflict there. Um, it was a bit of a miss, but it's still like, hey, they took a shot, and, and, and I can give them that. Now, next week, we already know that we're getting a tag team title rematch between Brizango and Imperium. We're also getting Priest versus Thatcher for the North American Championship in his first title defense. Priest came out to tell us about that. And then it was announced non-title, so I'm kind of sad, but we are getting Io Shirai versus Shotzi Blackheart. And this guy, who's got two thumbs and is super excited about next week? This guy. I'm going to sneeze any minute now. I'm just warning you. Rhea Ripley versus Mercedes Martinez in a steel cage to cap off the night. Now, I was hearing all kinds of rumors about this, too. The big rumor going for... And maybe I'm just following the wrong people. Um, big rumor that Tessa Blanchard, of all people, was going to interrupt this match and that was going to be her debut. I would have been cool with that. I'm just as cool with the fact that that absolutely did not happen. Mercedes comes down to the ring first. She's got a kendo stick with her, but that's not enough. She tosses the kendo stick in the ring and dumps a bunch of chairs in the ring as well. Ripley jumps her from behind and sandwiches her between the door. Looked kind of painful. Ripley adds a table to the cage scenario. They finally all get in. The match starts. Uh, this match wasn't nearly as long as I thought it was going to be, but that, that ended up working out Okay, Mercedes traps her between the ropes in the cage and hammers her for a bit. Uh, hammer shots to the chest by Martinez once she gets her actually fully into the ring and a boot by Ripley. Ripley tosses her into the cage as a high-running boot. Both women trade some shots and Ripley hits... Ripley gets her down in this weird position, right? Where you figure she may... Maybe might lock in a submission, but no, she's face down on the mat and Ripley just grinds her the heel of her boot in between Mercedes Martinez's shoulder blades. Now that's not a wrestling move. That's just holy fuck that would really hurt. Both women trade some shots and um and uh, there's a cradle brain buster by Martinez, followed by a power slam on a chair, sending us into commercial break. Top rope German suplex by Martinez as we come back from a commercial break, and Ripley tosses a chair at her face. But because it's not AEW, nobody got a concussion. A Ripley drop kicks Martinez into the cage. There's a superplex, a spine buster by Martinez, electric chair drop by Ripley. Standing figure four by Ripley. I know they call it something else. I don't care. It's a standing figure four. Moving on. Mercedes escapes using a kendo stick. Robert Stone climbs the cage. And Rhea Ripley goes up to meet him. And she's standing on the top turnbuckle. And they. she looks like she's going to headbutt him. I don't know if she did. It was an odd angle at the time. But it gives... Um, Mercedes Martinez a chance to come up, get her. They they sort of struggle on the top rope for a couple for a couple seconds. Merce Mercedes Martinez hits a pretty and I'm I don't want to say anything's lackluster with two people falling off the top fucking rope in the middle of a cage, but it was a weird looking neckbreaker that she did. And then we fought up to the opposite corner, and conveniently the ch the table had been set up. I don't know when the table got set up. I wasn't paying that much attention, but. Eventually, we did get Ripley struggling Martinez into the riptide position. Second rope, riptide, 
through the table, gets the win for Rhea Ripley. And then commentary signs off the show by saying that Rhea Ripley is unequivocally the biggest badass in the NXT women's division because that's what this was marketed as, is the, the, uh, the battle of the badasses in the steel cage. I like that this ended with a pin. I really do. Because neither one of these women should be running away. Neither one of these women should be trying to escape. Neither of them asked for the door ever. Neither one of them tried to climb over the cage ever. Now, I would have liked to see Robert Stone get suplexed over the top of the cage into the ring at some point. I would have, I, I want, because Ripley ha has the, the build and the strength to do it, I would love to see Rhea Ripley hit one, hit either Aaliyah or Mercedes Martinez with Robert Stone. I would love her to fling him around so much that he is just a weapon. I want somebody to be hit with Robert Stone. Next week, next week, we've got a North American Championship match. We've got a Tag Team Championship match. we got my girl Shotzi taking on the current reigning, not-so-much-defending uh, NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai. And Ripley's going to factor into that at some point, and we've got the fallout from the brand new NXT champion, Finn Balor, and then we get to see where Adam Cole goes from there. I do want to say, Adam Cole coming out with none of the Undisputed Era, but Roderick Strong later on in the night coming out with Bobby Fish, where is Kyle O'Reilly? The booking could be considered, say it very quietly, deft. You know who you are. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, oh, I'm glad it's not AEW. I'm tagging out. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.